1: From the fountain of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. That's some interdimensional shit. Wake up, Aaron.
2: This is only the beginning.
0: Dude, you just blew my mind.
1: Are you ready to get your mind blown? Go! Morning, swarm, and welcome to Tim Fall Hat. You know I am. You know I'm here to do. I'm here to join.ing me As always, my good friend and yours, back from back. the border, Xavier Guerrero. I How needed, was yeah, it? it
0: was good. All that GoFundMe money you yeah. guys sent me. I made. Dude, I made loot. Said- you know this this uh,
2: hologram technology is amazing.
0: It's, <laughs> really, I mean, he it looks like he's really it there. Looks
1: like Xavier's really there,
2: dude. Boo bopops, yeah. Boop, 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 boop. Worth every dollar we spend on it.
1: And joining on the us as always on the one twos, Jay J-Nice Johnny Woodard. How are you?
2: I'm good, man. I'm good. We're doing uh. A little earlier than normal today, so I'm a little bit sleepy. Yeah,
1: Johnny's very particular when his energy is best. Well, it's because
2: it's Tuesdays are tough for me because I'm up late working on Cash Daddies. Yeah, I Boning, like, boning, stop, Wednesday, stop. We know yeah, you're boning. Yeah, we know you're dropping Yeah, down, I yeah. wish. Yeah, late at night. Just making I love. It, no, it's because uh, they just take forever to wait for the videos to process and upload, and so I'm up until 4 or 5 a.m. Like
1: uh, oh, my God, Johnny. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Hey, word of the street is you guys are going to start a new podcast in September, huh? Yeah, that's oh, right. Yeah. What's it called? Oh, we can't give the name nope, out because nope. people will jack it. But it's going to yeah, be out there. It's going to be a game changer. you are going to be able to
0: call in. Yeah. It's going to be a game changer. Okay. 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 Yeah, we'll end that out. Yeah, all right. All right.
1: right. <laughs> all right. It's going to be an interesting show. I'm very excited. So be on the lookout for the uh, Xavier Guerrero, Johnny Woodard. Johnny Woodard, Xavier Guerrero show. We don't know the dynamics yet. So go <laughs> check that out. Hey, guys. Guess what? i got some dates coming up. <laughs> bow, 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 bow. Bow, bow
0: your favorite state yeah I'm, I'm doing
1: back to back favorite <laughs> state I'm going to Diana beach I didn't even know Diana beach existed I did not know that was a city up until I got booked they got a new improv there I'm
2: gonna D- be D- there Dania Beach
1: Dania yeah, yeah that's how new it is I didn't know don't even know how to pronounce it so you just, uh, I'm gonna be there uh August 25th through the 27th Daniel beach okay through the 27th Hold on, let's hear, it again. Let's hear it. Dania Beach. Dania. Dania Beach. Then just at it. Pew, 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 pew. Is that fireworks? Though? Yeah. yeah okay. That's laser fireworks.
2: Laser fireworks. Laser. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my. Is that
1: what they DJ do? <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, like those horns? Like that. That's not
0: laser, laser
2: fireworks. That's air horn. Yeah, that's
1: not laser fireworks. air horn, bro. <laughs> I'm going to be Plano, Texas at the new House of Comedy, and I will be there. Uh, let me see the dates real quick. I'm going to be there September 8th, 9th, and 10th, and I'm bringing my good friend, Kim Condit, will be featuring for me. So uh, I'm excited about that, bringing in some ladies on the road so we can uh, bounce off the misogyny, okay? <laughs> uh, so go. those tickets will be on at samtriplee.com. Then September 14th is the new Comedy Chaos. Two shows we're doing, Two shows. Uh, so, go grab your tickets. That, that will be up soon. And then September 30th, I'm in, at the end of the month. I am in Saratoga with Howie Dewey. Guys, new t shirt alert. <laughs> <laughs> new t shirt alert. That's right, t shirts. Uh, we just got up. Brand new t shirt. Let's see if it's actually up there. There it is. T.F.H. Live. That's right. The La- They Live shirt. Me as Rowdy Piper. I love that. Fighting the good fight. That's available. And we have a brand new shirt about to come up. And that will be at the beginning of that. But we're starting to do new shirts everywhere. I was going to make a shirt called Helen Keller Denier. But yes. apparently there's already those shirts out there. We can't even be. Really? Yeah. Somebody Damn. made it. It's, they're not good,
0: though. That's why it's on our block here.
1: You know? Yeah. Somebody is always on our on block. our turf.
0: Bro. Dude, so, how does she have an accent? Yeah. That shit blew my mind. I,
1: I mean, I want to make it because ours would be 10 times better than theirs. Should I still make it?
2: Yeah, of course. I mean, it's not like they can copyright Helen Keller not being Denier. legit. Denier. Yeah.
1: But it's like, theirs sucks. Ours would rock. Guys, premium content. If you guys want... To uh support the show, support the guys. We got a bunch of premium content for you. You can go to uh just click any of the banners on samtrouble Tim Fall have premium. I'm doing oh I'm doing uh only conspiracies. I do AMAs. Tuesday is called Tuesday Woo Day AMA. But then I'm doing a new one called We Come in Peace AMA. That is on Wednesdays or Thursdays.
0: fucking laser fireworks. Now those are laser fireworks. Laser
1: fireworks, bullhorn right there, bro. So we're going to be putting that up. Uh, That's going, just go, go click that. Or I have zero, my spiritual podcast, which has been fire lately. Fire? Me just talking to really deep people or super hot chicks. Either way, it's awesome. And then finally, Conspiracy Social Club, the number one debate show between binary men. Uh, Brian Kell, myself Dude, Brian has gone Fully Ray Ray, bro Fully Riri, we'll call it Riri, you go full Riri, bro Because, dude, he's like talking about that guy That is Klaus Schwab's Number one dude Who's like, we can can hack everybody And get rid of it He's like, this guy's a good dude He's
2: trying to help us I'm like (laughs) What he's gone fully Ted, he went, yeah, <laughs> full, full Ted,
1: full, full Ted. That's what it's all called now, dude. Don't go full, ted. Uh, full ted. ted. Um, and now we have a uh, I also have a Patreon show that I do with Johnny, our good friend Howie Dewey, and it's patreon.com uh, cash daddies. Go check it out. This guy's killing it. Talk about it, Johnny. How hard is he killing it?
2: Yeah, how he's how he's a bit of a savant when it comes to uh, investing. He's
1: we're, kind of, talking, kind of a
2: genius. Uh, we're talking
1: yeah. 20. Holy, we're talking $20. You get all Howie's, uh, the do crew, uh, every day. Plus, you get the Cash Daddy's podcast, the full episode that we do once a week, and people are loving it. And then there's a $1,000 uh, one where for $1,000 a month, Johnny and myself will watch you and your significant other. Make I love. I love how
2: you weaseled into this. This was <laughs> this was my thing, and then I just put as a joke. Sam may also want to, wa- knowing that
0: you would want to, and now it's become
1: people want my the two input. I have two children. <laughs> I know but, what I am doing.
0: Let them know. Not only are you watch, you give them useful tips.
1: Yes, that's the There's, most that's important. What you yes, need. Not. Exactly. Do you think we're just watching because no, 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 we no, like no, no,
0: it? No, 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 no. Do you think no, 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 we're,
1: no. we're creeping like that? Actually, no. hey,
2: what are you? What even are you saying? No, no, of course not.
1: <laughs> we are. We are. This is scientific. Yes. Yes. <laughs> We will all be right, taking notes. Right. We gotta change that banner too. Uh, ah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, it. So yeah. go check that out. I gotta get that link on the my website as well. New uh, broken sim. Great New broken sims out. New broken sim. You can listen to it. Okay, Sam real quick. We'll get into that. Hold on, raving. dude. Hold. Bro, it came on. up on the page. Hey, I got cam. I got cameos for days, bro. I will yell at you for two to three minutes about anything you want to <laughs> hear. And dude. Do I go hard in the paint? 100%. You
0: dude. got five stars. You definitely go hard I to paint. I love that you just do these wherever you happen
2: to be. Like you're in a barber's chair. <laughs> yeah, you're in, I, a I bed scream. in a hotel room. I scream, you're in what looks like, like dude, some guy's
1: home movie theater there. We talk about the powerbomb lizard people all the time on
0: there. How does she feel while you're yelling in the camera while she's giving you a haircut? She
1: digs it, bro. They all love that content, dog. So go there. Then Wise Wolf Gold and Silver, we have a good deal with them. If you're looking for gold and silver to stack up for the zombie apocalypse, great place to go. Tim Fall Hat Only Conspiracies and Zero uh, Telegram. Both those Telegrams are fire. We're almost up to four thousand people every day just talking about conspiracies on. And then you go down join uh, join the zero, and then I have all of these free audios uh, podcasts for you. Tim Fall Hat. Broken Sim, Johnny was talking about, is now a top 200 on the comedy podcast of Apple Podcasts. You think that's easy? Do you think that's easy to do?
0: It's really hard. You risk your life for this shit. I risk
1: my life. I walk around... Hollywood, looking for danger so I could do a couple minutes on
2: that. Number two in stand-up, too.
1: Number two in stand-up. This week, you number recap. Number one in your hearts. Okay? Your trip
2: out to go do Rogan. That was pretty interesting hearing you talk about what it was like heading out there. Yeah, hanging it was out with great. Joe Rogan. Very Cash
1: exciting. Daddies. Cash Daddies is the premium con- pre- uh, my financial show. Uh, Punch Drunk is my sports show. You Know the Unwanted is the most important conversation on the internet. It is a panel show. We take all of the Uh, the toughest subjects out there and we bring the best of the best come in and have a and it should be chaos but it's a wonderful symphony and then I I put out old episodes of two of my premium content shows uh, Conspiracy Social Club and Zero you can go listen to them anywhere you want now go down a little bit go down a little bit there are my specials on there but supposedly now there's a new feature on my website where you're going to be able to do meetups with other people on the podcast. Yes. Meetups, everybody. Meetups. So we'll see what we can do. I'll find that out. I got to talk to them today. And then the 24 hour radio station, Sam Triple Eight, twenty-four seven, three six five. 24 7, 365. You can listen all the time. Anything else,
0: guys? Oh, it's right there. Want to organize a meetup with other fans? Click here in our fan meetups area.
1: Okay. Yeah. We got to get a better thing for that. I got to figure that out. But we're going to set it up, we're going to make it happen. And we're gonna go a lot. A lot of there's a
2: lot of stuff going on, on your website. I mean, it's just like a lot. Hey, at least you, have a, a, you you work, dude. Hey, <laughs> it's in one place. Let's be yeah. happy. It's uh, in one place. Sam yeah, what to...
1: was wrong with my website, there's bro? bro. I saying. bring there's, pain. It, it,
2: it, it's just like the yellow pages. I mean, for Sam Tripoli content. It's a, yeah, <laughs>
1: I mean, like I got a lot of shit going. I'm I'm I'm, I'm I'm trying to move the chains, bro.
0: It's just seeing it all in one place. I'm like, damn. Sam, I mean, Sam, to Sam top it busy. off, if you're not getting enough, you can watch a little bit of Sam get weird And Sam Fran. Yeah, dude, that's
1: what we're talking. About me talking about how I'm a psychic. I'm a prophet, bro. The prophet Tripoli. I should call myself the prophet Tripoli. Anyway, well,
2: yeah. Mark sent us a text the other day. Said you were psychic, and then never sent another text. He was yeah. like, "Sam
0: is psychic." Why? Already why knew are you it. questioning yeah. that? Because he knew exactly what Sam wanted to say.
1: Exactly, dude. You get it, bro. You're so smart. Everybody, <laughs> you're so smart. So, guys, a uh, really great podcast episode today. We're very excited. Um, we go deep into the son of Sam murders, right? And uh, are there any connections to, um, were there connections to satanic cults, bro? Ooh. Anybody in on this episode or what? It was with Mike Codella, great episode, I certainly enjoy it. And uh, we get into the process church of the final judgment, bro. Great episode. What do you guys think? Bang, bang.
0: Bang, bang. It was bang, rocking. Bang.
1: All right, guys. Please so. enjoy this episode. Hope to see you in Florida and Texas soon. We will talk to you after the episode. Enjoy the episode. Enjoy. We go deep, homeboy. <laughs> open your mind. <laughs> Very excited to get into this episode today I'm very excited to have our guest on He uh, worked for the, he was a NYPD police officer for 20 years He's got a book coming out He's got a great YouTube page, uh, channel I'm very excited to have him on Please welcome Mike Codella How are you brother? Hey man, thanks for having me Mike, uh, I appreciate you coming out I'm very excited about this subject today And uh, before we get into that Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself And where our guests can find you
3: and anything you want to plug? Okay, so um, I was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. I became a cop back in 1983. Um, I did 20 years. I retired in 2003. I worked in the I worked um, in the DEA for a couple of years. I worked with Secret Service Task Force uh, for quite a few years. Um, worked in a special unit called Operation Aid. It was a plainclothes unit down in Alphabet City is where I did a lot of my time. And at some point in my career, I started working on the um, the cold case part of the Son of Sam cult and some some things that were connected to that cult. And I can be found on, um, I got my own YouTube channel called Mike Cadella, Up Against the Wall, and I have a book that's been out for a while called Alphaville 1988, Welcome to Heroin City.
1: All right, we'll make sure there's links to all, all that in the description so you guys just... uh Look below; the description will be right in there. Very excited to have you on. Uh, before we get into the Son and Sam cult, I wanted to talk to you about your thoughts on what's going on in New York City right now. The feel, you know, I live in Los Angeles, and at night I like to walk around Hollywood Boulevard, and it's gotten really gritty. Uh, it's it's just has a. I always say it reminds me of every movie from an, about New York City in the seventies. And, uh, you know, there was a time where New York was seen, like, in New York, you lived in New York, there was danger everywhere, and then it got cleaned up, and now it seems like it might be going back to that. What are your thoughts on that?
3: <clears throat> well, I know I, I heard you say or mention that Hollywood is kind of like the way Hell's Kitchen was, or rather 42nd Street, 42nd and 8th Avenue was back in the 70s and 80s, and um, when I, that's when I was a kid growing up from Brooklyn, we'd jump in a, one of my friend's cars and we'd kill, you know, a couple of hours on a Friday or Saturday night over on 42nd Street and 8th Avenue. And it was a, it was so uh, gritty and dark and perverted. Prostitutes and pimps and drugs and all of that crap. And then Giuliani came in. Um, and to be honest, we had no right being down there because we were out of our element. But we used to go there and, and you know kind Of, like, to start trouble and just be in that, in that mix of, of craziness. Giuliani came in, Mayor Giuliani, Rudolph Giuliani came in and he cleaned it up. He uh he literally put the cops in, in overdrive and he cleaned that mess up. Um, new stores started opening up, family restaurants started opening up, and and he did a he did an amazing job. Now, uh with with this uh, no bail reform that the politicians here in New York and in other states have put in, meaning these criminals get arrested, they don't have to post bail, and they get out literally the same day, literally before these cops finish the paperwork, these guys are out committing the same crime, over and over, whether it's, uh, there was a guy in the paper today, uh, a few, I wanna say a couple of months ago, he just hit a, a woman in the face, For no reason. He had no beef with her. He didn't even know her. They locked him up. He was out the same day or the next morning. He just did it again. He hit some transit worker. uh, You know, he cold clocked him, and he put the guy in the hospital. Um, You know, there's no repercussions. The politicians here in New York, they, they, you know, it's almost almost done kind of like deliberately to let the working people suffer and, and let these criminals just basically run wild even in the even at the time you were talking about on um, 42nd and 8th and in that, in that in that era it was bad but the criminals knew when they got caught they had to be afraid of they had to be afraid of getting caught they had to be afraid of the cops they had to be afraid of going to jail today that doesn't even exist the criminal could, could care less
1: i am uh i i completely agree with you i had this discussion on one of my other podcasts yesterday it was like you know what? What we're seeing right now is this kind of uh, cultural Marxism uh, way of dealing with uh, crime and punishment. Okay, and this 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 belief that the system is was broken. So if we make a couple adjustments to how we we punish criminals, this will even the playing field, and this will make things more uh uh even keel right and uh everyone will get an equal chance uh that has been implemented and it has failed miserably you have had your chance to show us how your side would do it and your side has failed miserably we just had a and i don't know if you guys knew this we just had a vote to recall our da i didn't even know we were voting on it I would have showed up. That was like, I heard, that, oh, we're going to try to recall them. Never heard there was actually a vote going on. And guess what they did? They, they, they invalidated 30% of the signatures because they said they weren't real. Yeah, in a, yeah. in the national election, it wasn't a in vote, right? It was
2: like they were taking a petition to. They had to get enough signees to then put it into actual recall. Yeah, right? so, it's
1: unbelievable. And but they say like in a, in the national vote in 2020 that only less than one percent of the vote uh, of the signatures weren't real. It's like what are we talking about here? I didn't even know that was possible that that we were going to recall this guy. You have implemented your policies. They have failed miserably. There's a difference between wanting to be like, "Okay, drug laws might be unfair to a certain person." When you have like a helicopter of cocaine and a nugget of crack are the same crime. Let's let we could have a talk about that, right? We could have a real talk about that. But yep. there's never been a time where you're like, "Dude, if you blast somebody in the face, it's because of this kind of system you were born into, your your background, and all this stuff that's not fair. So we're going to give you another chance. What are your thoughts on that?
3: You know, I, I, I'll tell. I run something by you that they just they're doing here in New York. They they didn't start it yet, but it's going to be implemented. First of all, they're letting people use the subways um, without paying. When uh, I, I know Adams is saying he's, gonna, he's trying to correct that, but while de Blasio was in the office, the mayor that preceded Mayor Adams, um, people were hopping turnstiles, they were walking on the buses, uh, walking through the back of the bus, and just avoiding the payment. Yeah. And they were saying, um, people aren't paying because they can't afford it, don't arrest them, let them get on the bus, let them get on the train, um, whatever. Now they're implementing a congestion Fair for people that drive to Manhattan or drive in Manhattan. And wow. I'm, not, I'm not sure the number they're talking, like $13 or $14. So, working people who are in a vehicle going to work um or with their families or whatever they're doing in Manhattan, but these are people that were working, they own a car, they have to get, and now the $13 or $14 comes out of their Easy Pass or their license plate. They have no choice but to pay that $14. And the money's supposed to be going into the uh, transportation system, meaning the subways and the people that are using the subways or abusing the subways by not paying, don't pay. So again, the working people that break their ass every day, they're paying for these people that are using the subways and and abusing the system. It's, it's, it's just the way New York is going now. It's, it's out totally, totally out of control. And, and so back. So you know what makes me, I'll tell you one more thing. Mayor Adams, when he got into office, he said he was going to seek advice from the former mayors. So who does he ask? He asks his predecessor, Bill de Blasio, who was probably the worst mayor of all time. Everybody hates him. Hates him and the worst mayor of all time. And he asks Mike Bloomberg, who wasn't a terrible mayor, but he just kind of stepped into what Giuliani did. So he asks those two mayors, and he refuses to sit down with Mayor Giuliani because he doesn't like Mayor Giuliani's politics. The best mayor probably the country has ever seen. It is
1: unbelievable. And now you got de Blasio thinking he's going to run for Senate. Do you have any hope in that, that that election won't be completely rigged? I mean, when they were open, when two gay men are openly dissing de Blasio on CNN's New, York, New Year's Eve, uh, telethon about how bad he is and that is that is the democrats that's their base gay men like there's enough of them to vote them in and which i don't really care what you do in your bedroom with consent the adult that's none of my business but it's like that's their base and their base hates them but you're gonna see him run and somehow this guy i have zero faith in anyone not voting for this guy because they've made it so so emotional. Now people vote with their emotions and not with actually studying what's going on. And another thing, when I walk around to LA, I go, man, we got a really bad homeless problem. And everybody, you see all these videos of people outside of LA, call me Florida and all this stuff. Okay. I'll give you that. But just know everybody that our homeless problem is, is helping you with your homeless problem. Cause you're sending all of your homeless people to us, that is a fact. We're ta- and I don't They all have
2: accents, people. We know this. Yeah, they all right. have accents. Hey,
1: y'all got dollars, something like that. You know, we know where they're coming from, man. So it's like we really have to find a humane way to deal with this. Hey, guys, I want to tell you about our friends that copy my crypto. That's right, guys. The recession is underway fuel is through the roof, food prices are insane, and people have begun to lose their homes. But there is a massive positive to this because recessions are where more wealth is made than any other time in history. Take the last two recessions. Those who invested in property and stocks more than doubled their money in inside of two years, okay? But no market rose like crypto, where people made ten. 50 or even 100 times over the same period that's what james mcmahon did okay on his on his crypto with james youtube channel he told his 21,000 subscribers to invest in the same 26 coins he did had you invested 100 into each You'd have been in profit for more than a hundred and twenty-three thousand. His top pick of the year, a crypto called Phantom, went up a staggering nine six hundred and ninety-two times. Remember, this is public knowledge. Go to his YouTube and verify it yourself. James will be sharing every coin he buys during this recession on his Copy My Crypto membership site. It's like having a big brother who knows what he's doing. You don't need to know a thing about crypto or how to invest as you simply copy along. So, so to join the 2800 members who copy James, go to copy my crypto.com slash Sam. That's copy my crypto.com forward slash slash S a M. It's your call. You can thrive in this recession or be another victim. Go to, Visit the site and read every word now. I want to get in kind of your background because one of you in your bio you sent me, uh, Mike, I found very interesting. You used to work, uh, uh in a group in uh, Red Hook, Brooklyn, and um, with a guy named Kel- Kelvin Klein Bocati. Is that his name?
3: Bocotti, Calvin Boc- Klein Bocotti it was his name. I was actually in the DEA at the time. Um, uh, me and my partner were the only cops assigned to the regular DEA, not the DEA task force, uh, which is cops, um, DEA agents and state troopers. My partner and I were assigned to group 34 in the DEA regular division. And, um, I was, my chief had want. There was a crazy amount of shootings. Uh, I don't know. Are you familiar at all with, with that area of Brooklyn red hook, red hook projects?
1: I've heard of it. Yeah.
3: Yeah, so back in the 90s, this was uh, early 90s, and even to the, Red Hook, the area, has now gentrified, and it's pretty nice down there, actually. But the projects are still bad. And these particular projects, uh, Red Hook Houses, um, there was uh, an unbelievable amount of shootings and, and, and drug-related homicides. So the chief at the time asked me if he thought I could maybe go down there and see if I could get a case going, some kind of drug case and maybe get within the drug uh within the drug case get these guys that are doing these shootings. And and what I did was I went I used to go so I didn't know the, obviously I didn't know who these guys were personally, but um I used to go I I initially went down there in, in soft clothes, you know, kind of dressed like this, um, without my gun, without my shield, obviously, and let them think, you know, and I, I just hung around this, this particular project, which is where the shooters were and these homicides were. And eventually, they saw me there enough, I'd use the pay phone or I'd just park my car and walk around and these guys saw me quite a, and I wouldn't go with surveillance. because, In fact, I didn't even tell the DEA I was doing this because it was one guy who doesn't, one Italian guy who doesn't fit in the area and then if they would have saw surveillance guys in cars in the area, they would have knew right away some, something was up. So I just used to go on my own time, basically, uh, with, a, with, an, with a you know with a un, uh, undercover vehicle. And I parked the vehicle, walked around, and I got to meet these guys. And at some point, I got to meet. Um, I did a few deals, and then I bought my way up, and I was finally introduced to this kid or this guy called um, his name was his name is Calvin Bacotti, and everybody calls him Calvin Klein he's and uh, they call him the Brooklyn Don, and I was able to buy a bunch of uh, crack cocaine from him, uh, his organization, and his brothers, and we were eventually able to take them down. But just to go back to a point you made earlier about a couple of grams of crack being the same as a helicopter, uh, you know, a, a helicopter full of cocaine. Yeah. So at one point I was doing a deal with this guy, um, I was doing a deal out over in in, in Hanasi uh, Pier which was now far from where I lived at the time and he came with his brother and they came with a bag of cocaine now the bag of cocaine, the, the three ounces I was buying, the three ounces of cocaine wasn't really a heavy weight, I actually wanted three ounces of crack because that Three ounces of crack, but at the time it, the, the, the law was like for every gram of crack equals uh, like a hundred grams of of powdered cocaine.
1: Oh my God, yeah. man, that's insane!
3: Oh, that's
1: insane! Yeah.
3: Well, that's what they, that, that's when it was the crack, you know, the crack crack epidemic. Yeah, for sure. Right yeah and george bush i think it was that uh, he had given the speech and he held up the crack okay, <laughs> that they bought right across the street in the park across the street from the white house ea bought hunter so biden to... smoked it after <laughs> yeah. yeah so they bring this him and his brother uh they i get into their their jeep i think it was a jeep cherokee at the time which was a beautiful car and not that popular with the black windows and and I get in the car and they give me the Coke and they say, Well, aren't you gonna you know, are you gonna try it? So I'm like, try it. I don't I don't smoke cr- I don't smoke crack. And they says, No, no, that's powder. I'm like, Well, we got into an argument because I didn't want the powder. I said, I can get powder anywhere. I'm using you guys so you could can- I want the I want the crack, you know. I want crack. You guys cook it up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I gave it back to them. They went home, they cooked it, and they came back with it. The next night I that night or the next night.
1: Damn, dude, that's crazy. So uh, yeah, it's and then you know supposedly uh, Jay Z sp- stole his whole persona from him, which is uh, something we've seen with uh, Lady Gaga as well. I think she's out in New York, where they kind of steal a persona from somebody close, she, like a drag queen. Who's who's did she? No, steal? no, no, her friend. Dude, you never heard this Lady no, Gaga? No, no, no. Well, that's another show. But basically, yeah. her friend died mysteriously, and then like three weeks later, Lady Gaga's doing her. Perf-
0: her, her act, basically, yeah. Doing
1: her act. That's that's creepy. Oh yeah, it's super creepy, dude. It's oh. and the mom was trying to say something, but that's a different show. I wanna get in to Son of Sam because I'm actually thinking about and this might weird you out, Mike, but I'm actually thinking about calling my next comedy special Son of Sam because my father's Sam, and he's like I've learned so much from like all the wrong decisions my father made, and like I was making those as well. So I always I want to do something for my mother and something for my father. And you know, and Son of Sam, I always heard it when I was growing up. Son of Sam, Son of Sam, Son of Sam. That and Green Eggs and Ham were just haunted me my whole yeah. life.
0: And, did you know what Son of Sam was when you were t- like did you- Oh yeah, dude. oh yeah.
1: Son of Sam was a big. I grew up in upstate New York. It was a big deal, man. That was a big, big deal. So, uh,
3: I how I get are you, Sam?
1: I am uh, forty-nine.
3: So that's way, yeah. I mean, that's even way, way before your time.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I remember the big. Everyone would, was talking about it all the time. Even well after it had gone down, people were still talking about it. It was a big, big deal. Yeah, it scared people. It really. Even after it was over, it was the it, it it just had effects for many 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 years after it was over it was you know and then your name sam and your dad yeah. sam it's like that's all you hear about all the time <laughs> hey guys do you have a problem sleeping could be your mattress i know i had that problem i had a really bad pro- problem with my mattress i had this really old mattress just was like sleeping on the sidewalk but guess what That all changed thanks to Helix Sleep. That is right. Helix Sleep is a premium mattress brand that provides tailored mattresses based on your unique sleeping preferences, right? The Helix lineup includes 14 unique mattresses, including a collection of luxury models, a mattress for big and tall sleepers, and even a mattress just for the kids. So how will you know your Helix mattress works best for your body? Great question, guys. Great question. Answer is take the Helix sleep quiz and find your perfect mattress in less than two minutes, okay? And your personal mattress is shipped straight to your door free of charge, okay? Helix knows there's no better way to test out your new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night risk-free trial. Try out your new Helix mattress, see how your body adjusts, and if you decide it's not the best fit for you, just return it for a full refund, Okay. Everybody is unique and everyone's sleep is different. That's why Helix has several different mattresses models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and preferences. Okay. I took the quiz. I love the big one. That's what, which one go down to. It. I found it's really good. That's one Yeah so dude Midnight I'm all about the Midnight Lux
2: Actually, you don't need To lie about your height When you're getting A mattress fitted you know Six that, right? feet Six yeah. foot
1: one Is what you put it. Cause it wouldn't Let me go <laughs> Yeah <laughs> 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 and here's the thing Helix mattresses are, are American made and come with a 10 to 15 year warranty depending on the model. And remember, you get to try it out for 100 nights risk free. If you don't love it, I know you, and I know you will, okay? But you'll, if you don't, they will pick it up and give you a full refund, okay? That's how great. So, here's what we need you to do. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Just go to helixsleep.com slash tinfoil. With Helix, you'll sleep better. That's helixsleep.com slash tinfoil. H E L I X, sleep.com slash tinfoil. Enjoy. Uh, but let's get into it. Where do you want to start with that? Where do you want to start? Because I'm very, I love this topic.
3: Uh, I'll, I'll start with how it, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you how I got involved with it. You know, simple. So, um, I was working in the special investigations division and one of the, one of the, uh, squads was the missing person squad. So I was there for a couple of years. Um, and at some point I get a phone call from an inmate in Attica state prison. And I don't remember if the actual, inmate, if the inmate actually asked for me by name, um, I put a lot, you know, I made a lot of arrests. A lot of my prison, perps criminals that I arrested were in Attica. I don't know if he asked for me by name or I somehow maybe asked for the supervisor. I, You know, I really don't remember exactly what how, how I got the call, but I get a call from this inmate. Um, and he tells me that he has information on a case of a kid named now he butchers the name, which is a little bit important at the time. I found it a little bit important because. I figured I thought if you call if you're calling for Matica to speak to Mike Cadella, who's a sergeant in, in the special investigations, you would have your your information or your ducks in a row that's so when he gave me the name of the missing kid, the kid's name was Ethan pates, but he screwed the name up <clears throat> and again, I felt that if he was lying to me, he would have made sure he had his ducks in a row um so he he says I have information on Ethan pates. Now, Eton Page was a little boy that was missing uh since 1979 from the Soho area of Manhattan. And I'll give you a little a little information about the case. Um just so you have a little information, you know, a little knowledge of what I was uh, what what he had to tell me and why it was interesting very important. So Eton Page was the first kid ever put on a milk carton. Ronald Reagan made... uh he designated May twenty-fifth National Missing Child Children's Day in in because of the e. Tom Pates case. So Eton Page was going to school for the very first time on his own that particular morning. And the mother was watching from her window and she turns uh, her attention gets distracted by one of her other children. And when she looks back, according to her, just less than a minute, the kid disappears. Oh my god. God. He never went to school that day and had not been seen since. So it became a, a infamous case. Um, there's, I can't even tell you how many files there are on this particular case and how many interviews were done and how many uh, canvases of buildings. It became a very high-profile case. Anyway, there was never an arrest made. Uh, nothing ever came in the case, unfortunately. Now that was in 79. I get this phone call in like ninety, I want to say like ninety-seven from this inmate who says he has information regarding Eton Pates. So I go up to Attica State Prison to go see this guy. Now, when I get there, the correction officers are a little bit um a little bit antsy about letting me in to see him to see this particular guy. Really? Yeah, because he's a, first of all, he's over 350 pounds.
0: Damn.
3: He's an ex 1% biker. What, is, uh, what
0: does
1: that mean? A
3: 1% biker?
0: The baddest.
1: So is-
3: he, he was part of a bike gang and the 1% guys who are 1% bikers, they live, they don't live within the rules of society, supposedly. So they do, they live by their own rules, meaning they commit crimes, they, Commit homicides, whatever they they do, what they want. Basically, that's what one percent bikers and and his organization or his bike gang was under. Um, I'm not sure. His biker gang was called the Rat Pack, and they were under, I think, the Hell's Angels or the Mongols or another high profile biker club. So, the correctional officers were a little bit hinky about letting me in the room with this guy. Oh, and let me tell you what he's in the let me tell you what he's in the joint for, by the way. So he was arrested, I think, in like 1983. Now this is again like 97. He was arrested in 1983 for sodomizing his infant baby <laughs> and another and another one of his children. And his wife was arrested also, but apparently, I believe the wife—I, I, you know, this is all from, from memory. I, I believe the wife cooperated against him, saying she was forced. Into those sex acts because of, you know because of who he was, and I think she testified against him, and I don't think they prosecuted the wife. Um, so knowing that, so this is the guy I'm going to interview. This guy who had sex with his infant daughter, uh, abused his wife, and and had sex, I think, with his other one of his other kids. And when they arrested him, he had all kinds of weapons on him, you know, guns. So I go to I go to talk to this guy. And then he goes on to tell me this elaborate story about Etan Pates and, and how it ties into the Berkowitz uh, son of Stan Cole.
1: So real quick, how, how many leads do you follow up on? I'm sure you're getting smilings and dialings every day. I got information about this. I got information about that. In different cases, people trying to figure out a way to either get out of their part of the prison that they're in, which is maybe a, a high max or super max or trying to get out a little early. Like, How do you determine what is an actual tip that you think is a good tip?
3: Um, well, listen, on a case like this, First of all, the case was so old. There was no tips coming in on this case, not in 1997. Um, And even if there were, we'd follow, you know, honestly, we'd follow up on everything. Unless the guy on the phone sounded like a complete screwball, um, we would not. But there wasn't any tips coming in on this case. Um, It was a cold case. And um, there was nothing going on with it, really. It was just sitting there. So we get this call. So obviously, you know, we did, like I said, we did some checks on this guy. We knew he was a legitimate criminal. And uh, the information he was going to give us had to do with other criminals. So who else, who better to give information on dirt than a dirty guy, right?
1: Right, right,
0: right, right.
3: Okay.
1: That's, I mean, that world is just... Super intense, bro. I mean, like super intense.
0: So you want to go visit him? Yeah,
1: you got to go visit him. And well, then you
2: got to talk to him like he's a fucking human being because he might have some yeah. information that you want. Which yeah. Is just,
1: so you meet up with him, and for for those who may not be familiar with the son of Sam murders, I don't know what rock you live under, <laughs> but it's uh, basically involves David Berkowitz, and he had gone around and he was terrorizing. New York City, uh, with showing up and shooting people in their cars and stuff like that. And how long did the murders go for? Let me look that up. I had looked it up. It was about
3: a year, right? From 76 to 77. The summer of 76 to the summer of 77. I
1: was four and five years old at that point. And how many people did he end up killing?
3: Um, I think he killed six and shot eight others. Damn, dude.
1: Damn. Damn. So you go to meet with this guy. Yeah, it would terrorize. I mean, a million TV shows on it, a million docs, a million everything. It was, I mean, it was everywhere, dude. It was everywhere. It was such a giant part of, like, just the mystique of New York, too. Like, this was a big part of, like, New York is dangerous. Watch yourself. Bad things are happening. These guys are going around shooting and killing people.
0: He doesn't give the look of a killer. What, does, what, he, does, what, does he? Does does he to you like right there? Like I would. Oh, I. I, I he completely creeps me out. Disagree. Yeah, you see it right yeah. there. David
2: Berkowitz is always creeped me out. Yeah,
1: right there's just something. What was David's background that led him to doing this? Do you know? What do you mean by background? Like, That's was there was there something in his past that now, if we we would see the the maybe we got more information on what these serial killers do, these spree shooters. Was there anything in, like, that stood out about him that people should have been like, maybe there was a warning sign?
3: I mean, he was adopted, but by all accounts, you know, that, that shouldn't have, you know, he led an okay life as a kid. And then he went to the military, um, and they say that when he came out of the military, he was a little bit different. I mean, you know, that, that's what they say. I, I, you know, I, I wouldn't know firsthand, obviously. Was can- he in Vietnam? I don't think he was in overseas. No, you think they could have MK Ultra? Yeah, been? that's what I'm thinking. Well, well, I mean,
1: there is a connection between military and uh, serial killers. They have they have had studies on that. Really?
2: I mean, they train you to kill people, and then uh, you kill then people. You kill people. <laughs> <laughs> what a surprise! <laughs> yeah,
1: it's like when uh, that football player punched his uh, his wife in the, in the elevator, and Neil Brennan's like, "Oh, you played football off of pl- football outside of football." <laughs> Uh, It's hard to turn it off. That's so (laughs) funny, right? Yeah, so it's hard to turn it off. But so he sits down and he starts to break it down to you. Um, uh, He claimed that. Okay, can we get into a little bit of like what David did before we get into what this guy tells you? So David, David said that the neighbor's dog told him to do the shootings and killings.
3: Yeah. So that's. uh, um, yeah. So let me get back to tiny and then I'll tell you how that ties in. Okay, perfect. Okay. So when I go to interview, oh, so the guy's name is tiny Lantini, the, the, the inmate of Attica. Um, and when I see him, he's wearing, uh, like the Muslim hat, the Muslim, uh, cap. And, um, like I said, he's a big 350 pound guy. And he tells me he's he's practicing uh, Islam because they eat better in Attica if you're Muslim, <laughs> so that's why he's becoming Muslim. I'm um, um Muslim on paper, um, and then he t- so he gives me the, so I'll give you what he tells me regarding the kid and how it ties into Sam and Berkowitz rather and all that stuff. So he tells me that his motorcycle gang was. Um, contracted by these rich people up in Westchester and Yonkers, New York. And the gang, the biker gang, his gang was contracted to to do security around these mansions up in Westchester. And they were there to wear their colors to keep anybody away. If the cops came to keep the cops away, you know, do whatever they had to do to keep the cops from entering these, these houses. Um, And he's, does it for you know every couple of months he go he he's doing these security gigs, him and his gang. At some point he becomes friendly with these people and they let him into these mansions during these parties, let's say. And the parties are actually according to him, satan there's sex going on, there's drugs going on, and there's satanic rituals going on. And at some point. At one of these parties, he goes in and he sees um, they call. They have a, 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 a like a makeshift author set up and they call what? out the name he screws up, but the real name is Etan Pates. They call out Etan Pates what? to the author and they measure him with some kind of rope. They perform some kind of blessing on him. And then he says that he leaves. Right before they sacrifice him, but he later learns that they sacrificed the little kid, meaning Ethan Pates. That's according to him. Now, the, the, the organization or the cult or the satanic group that was doing this is a group called, according to him, the or they have ties to a, a satanic group called the Process Church of the Final Judgment.
1: Oh my God.
3: And that's this particular group. And that's a group that Berkowitz. Supposedly was involved with. That's how it ties into Berkowitz. He says Tiny says that years earlier he had run into Berkowitz. At, he didn't remember if it was at the park or at some function, but he had run into Berkowitz in passing. Um And the, that's where the t- that's where the tying in comes because it's the same cult that Berkowitz was involved with, according to Tiny, that he was dealing with. Oh my
0: god! Dude, this is a crazy ass cult or church, whatever this is. That final process of the final judgment.
1: Do they have a website? I like. Do is there a place you can? They
3: is have a written? million. They used to have a million websites. Oh my god! And I'll tell you something really interesting oh, about is. that. that I, I think it was super. I'll popular. tell you something really interesting about that place. That guy. So the leader of the cult is a guy by the name of Robert the Grimson. Robert the Grimson was actually a follower. Of and and a very close associate of L. Ron Hubbard back in the 60s, that early 60s. And then they had a falling out, and Robert DeGrimson either stole or ended up somehow with L. Ron Hubbard's either wife or girlfriend, a woman named Mary Ann McLean. And they go they branch off and they do their own thing, meaning Robert DeGrimson and Mary Ann McLean go off and do their own thing. And they leave the Church of Scientology, and they begin or create this process church of the final judgment. Oh, my God, dude.
1: That's crazy, because L. Ron Hubbard stole Jack Parsons' girl, and Al Crowley warned him about that and said, watch out for this, dude. And then someone went and jacked. Wow. Yeah, dude, it's crazy. They just all they do, man, is they just jack each other's ladies, dude. And
3: she used to go out with Sugar Ray Robinson, uh, Miriam McLean.
1: Damn, dude, damn,
3: yeah. But I'll tell you something that's really interesting. So he lives, believe it or not, in Staten Island, New York. Robert the Grimson does. Um, and during this investigation, I tried to interview him, but he wouldn't. He answered the door and he didn't. He wouldn't talk to me. He acted like he was, uh, like he, like as if he wasn't there mentally. Like he, like you know, like he was, like he was off. So he just basically stared at me and didn't answer my questions. And then at some point, he closes the door. Okay. Well, somebody just sent me recently. Are you uh, allowed to do that? By the way, I mean, <laughs> like him
1: investigating a murder and be like, whatever, shut the door.
2: <laughs> I guess they don't have a warrant.
1: You can do yeah. that. I didn't know that. That's crazy. How old is he again? Say that? How old how, is he again? How old is this guy? Is he still Rudy alive? Grimson? Yeah. yeah.
3: He's in his, if if he's still alive, if he'd be in his late 80s, very late 80s, maybe in his early 90s.
2: So He's born in 35, so 86, yeah.
1: And dude, they yeah. all look the same. Look at that. He looks he, just yeah, he, like yeah. Char- Charles Manson. They all have this weird Jesus thing going on.
2: Dead the deadest eyes of these people. I mean, it's like Anton LeBay, he's got dead eyes. They've all got dead eyes.
1: Oh my, I can't believe they sacrificed that kid. That's so crazy. People would do that to children. That just blows my
2: mind. And and uh, they were the ones that the, the bike group they were the ones that kidnapped him too, right? Is it was this did he suggest that this was a thing that they that they did regularly? No, the biker gang didn't kidnap the kid. Oh no, they didn't. Okay.
3: No, he gave me information regarding who he heard kidnapped the kid um and we looked into it and the guy whose name he gave us was a pedophile and had a a, a history but he had already been dead by the time we got the information oh. um but now y- y- you have to understand that this kid Eton in in 2017 someone came forward I believe it was 2017 someone came forward uh a guy by the name of, I don't know, was, I want to say Jose Hernandez. Uh, his last name was Hernandez, I'm sure. He came forward, basically, and he said that he, Hernandez, worked in a bodega, right, where the kid used to go, where the kid was walking to school, and he took the kid and he killed him. Now, Hernandez has no affiliation with anything with my involved with my investigation. But... He's uh, by all accounts he's mentally deficient. Hernandez, Um, they never found the body. They they, the first trial was a hung jury because now the police actually locked up Hernandez on his confession. The first trial was a hung jury, and then they eventually convicted him for Etan's kidnapping and homicide. But again, um, do you believe him or do you believe the other guy?
2: They couldn't find a body. I mean, he didn't leave. They never found
3: the body. No. No. Um, you know what? Honestly, uh, Sam, I'm not I'm not 100 percent sold one way or the other, even as much stuff as, as I've done in this case. There's a lot of a lot of things lead me to believe I've seen some interviews on Hernandez and his interviews. Uh, it's obviously he's 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 not all there mentally. I don't want to say that the cops did a bad job interviewing Hernandez or, or making an arrest, or because I don't think they did. I, they were working on what they had. So, honestly, I don't know if they locked, I don't know if he did it or, or didn't do it. That's that's the bottom line. I will say that a lot of the stuff that Tiny gave us, verif- verifying wise, ver- did pan out. So, it's a, it's a tough. Uh, so, did he, get, did he give you more information on other cases or anything like that? Yeah, well, what happened was he. I met with him that one time and then see the reason he wanted us, the reason he was trying so hard to help us was was we would let him get out on parole. So he was trying to, you know, he was trying to work an angle to get out on parole. So he kept a lot of the things he gave us. You got to remember this, the Eton Pates disappeared in, in 79, um, a lot of things he gave us, people were dead, or we just couldn't find them. <clears throat> so um, I'd ask him to verify, give me some, give us something, and he would give us a name. We go check; the guy was dead. Um, but then he says, I'll, "I'll give you a a shooting that was very similar to the D- David Berkowitz shootings." He said, "But it was never investigated as a Berkowitz shooting because the victims were black." And Berkowitz only shot white people," he said. "So I'll give you the actual shooter, who did the shootings, and you'll probably get him to confess. That guy was also in jail. He was another biker. He was a part of Tiny's motorcycle club. Uh, and he was, and he was a black guy. This particular biker. And, and, so, and Tiny was is white. Tiny is, you know what. I I, I I tell everybody, I, he's one of those people you could look at, you don't know what he is. He looked like he's white. He could be mixed. He could be Hispanic. He had like greenish, greenish, crazy eyes. Uh, he was, I mean, to me, he could have been anything. Years later, when he finally gets out of jail, he tells people he's an American Indian, and he, he adopts an American Indian, uh, a Native American name, uh, w- Wolf Hawk. And he says he's part of some obscure tribe, huh. and so who, I, I don't know what he was to be quite honest. He had his last name was Lentini, and that's an obvious Italian name, but so I don't know what he was to be honest.
0: Is there a reason they picked that certain kid? He was, was a random. Was it just one r- wrong place, wrong time type of thing? Yeah. Yeah. According
3: to him, it was just a wrong, wrong place, wrong time. Yeah.
0: Could have been any kid then. Damn.
2: Did he have any idea that the sacrificing was something that they did regularly? Did he? I oh, mean yeah, he, more? He, he
3: made me. He made us understand that it was a regular thing. You know, it was they did it to take the kid's blood, and um, it's a lot of. It's very similar to what we people are talking about nowadays. Which you know, this guy tiny. What, what I tell people is. First of all, there was no internet back in, uh, or very little. And, and certainly they didn't have internet in Attica. And he'd been in Attica for many years prior. Um, but he knew a lot of information that comes out now about the endocrine, endocrine, and uh, he had information about the Bilderberg group. And nobody ever even heard of that back in 1997. Damn. Uh, what, what do you have about the Bilderberg group? Well, he knew all, of, like, basically, he knew all about it. Like, I never heard, when I was doing these interviews, <clears throat> he would, he was a tough guy to interview because he was all over the place. And I'd keep saying, oh, well, I don't care about that. I care <laughs> about this, and I have to bring him back. But he'd go off about the Bilderberg group for 15 minutes and who who was involved and who went and where they met and um, um, what countries were there and who, how they had this statue that they burned. All, all this uh, the, the Bohemian Grove he spoke about he had all this information that to this day I don't know how he how how he got it I don't know where he got that information from if he, if he didn't have some intimate knowledge
1: so so he tells you about this other uh shooter you do you go after that guy and then that that lines
3: up yeah and yeah. so what back? happens is he gives us information on this other shooter that was in his gang in his biker gang Uh, and of course that guy is in jail also. Um, and I tell tiny, well, what, what would be this guy's motivation for cooperating? He's getting out of jail soon. He'd been in jail a long time. I, you know, I checked out his records, obviously I said, he has no motivation for telling us about a shooting, um, that happened in the early eighties. And when he's getting out of jail, so what he tells us is, this particular guy was playing basketball one day, and he gets in a fight, you know, on the on the court, in front of fifty people. They were playing in Brooklyn, I think. Brownsville, Brownsville, Brooklyn, in, the, in a school, you know, a basketball court, fifty people watching. He gets in an argument with a with a, a guy over the game. He goes to his car. He comes back. And he shoots the guy in front of 50 people.
1: Jeez.
3: The balls. He he says, if you could find that case, uh, maybe you could work out some kind of angle with it. So I was able to actually find the case. Now, he was never implicated in that homicide. There was never a wanted, uh, a known perp. Um, All it was was a male, a homicide, unknown perpetrator, basically. But it was him because it matched the park and around the time and all that stuff. So what I do is I go up to see this inmate. I put uh like a, a yellow pages in like one of those big envelopes, big folders. And I go up to see him and I tell him and I put the name of the victim on it and the year and the you know location and I throw it at this guy. First of all, he didn't want to see us. He finally okays to see me. I throw the folder at him, and I said, pick that up. And He lifts it. Of course, it's heavy. It's got a yellow page (laughs) in it. And I said, those are interviews and witnesses. Now, remember, there were about 50 people literally that saw this shooting, but nobody gave him up. But he doesn't know that, especially now all these years later.
2: That tells you about that neighborhood, by the way, that 50 people (laughs) saw that and nobody reported it to police. That's crazy. Yeah, well,
3: he was, like I said, he was a tough guy, too. So they were probably scared of him. Yeah, you know? that's wild. Yeah. So he picks this. Um. So he realized. So I told him in that envelope, a witness is against you. So now his whole demeanor changes. So I said, but I'm not going to. We don't care about that homicide, that homicide. We could let go. We're not interested in it. <laughs> what I'm interested in is these two son of Sam like shootings that you were supposedly involved with, that we know about and he fesses up to them and he, uh, not only does he fess up to it, he eventually gives me a written statement regarding the son of Sam style shootings. And he even gives me a written statement regarding the basketball shooting. Um, thinking we're not going to charge him with the basketball shooting or the Southern Sam shooting <laughs> but he's going to cooperate. But down the road, the NYPD or the DA's office or the mayor's office just cut us out and told us to abandon the investigation, basically.
1: What? Did they tell you why?
3: No, they didn't tell us why. We had a meeting set up with Berkowitz. We were going up the... We were going up to uh, interview Berkowitz in the in the joint, and uh, he um, they, they they just chopped my legs out from under us. Damn.
1: How now? How long did Berkowitz last in prison? Did he did he die in prison? Did he? No,
3: he's still alive. Actually, in fact, he wrote me a letter not too long ago that I read on my web on my YouTube channel. I read the letter out uh, aloud. Yeah.
1: Can we hear just a little bit? Because I have a couple more questions.
3: You What, do you want to hear the letter? Yeah. Um, to be honest, I, I do have it. I'm just...
2: What did he say? What, what was the gist of it?
3: The gist of it was he's sorry for all the crimes he committed. Well, like you said, I'll go, let me just step back a little bit because you had mentioned, Sam, that the neighbor's... Do- he had said the neighbor's dog had done this. Uh, um, I had told him to do it, rather. So when he first got arrested in August of 77... Um he said he confessed to the shootings and the homicides but he said that his neighbor's dog um his neighbor was Sam Carr he said that his neighbor's dog told him to do these homicides so basically he was playing like a, a crazy cop. yeah
0: yeah he's you playing
3: know. that card yeah an insanity defense right years later he eventually cops He eventually uh, pleads guilty to, I think, six homicides or something. But anyway, they, they slam him. He's never getting out of jail. But years later, he came forward to certain people, and he said, no dog told me to do this. I was part of this satanic, satanic organization. I wasn't the only shooter. Other people were involved. In fact, the last homicide was actually a, a snuff film. Um
1: Oh and my God! Man.
3: So he confesses. He now, after he does that, shortly after, somebody sliced goes after him in 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 the jail and slices his neck, and uh, just barely misses his jugular, and and obviously scarred him all up. And since then, he refuses to talk about the homicides or about about it in any respect. He became, by all accounts, a born again. Christian. I don't know how true it is, but I I, I don't doubt it. He became a born-again Christian, and his letter to me was um, just a, uh, a sor- sor- he's sorry for all the pain that he's caused his, his family. He's sorry for all the pain he's caused the victim's family and for all the lives that were lost. He doesn't say who did it. Other people did it. He just basically tells me he, he apologizes for all the hurt that he's caused people.
1: So when you uh, find all this stuff out about, you know, this satanic ritual and stuff like that, is did the guy ever give you any point person to go talk to that might be involved with those rituals? And where they, if they were, I I know he's in prison, so he probably didn't know where they were going on, but any connection that you could go check out to see if this lines up
3: he like I said he gave us a a few uh first of all you got like any I guess criminal organization they most of the people that he knew in the cult Uh, I'll give you I'll give you another one bro this is this is really interesting actually so he tells so again. I'm in the early stages. I was trying to verify anything he said because I, I didn't I didn't know him. I didn't know what, how reliable he was. So he gives us another homicide in that occurred in Forest Hills Park, and he gives us the approximate year, um, the approximate month. There was snow on the ground, a lot of snow, um, and he gives us the area, Forest Hills Park. Now, this, that occurred in the 80s, since the, uh, or the early 80s, or the end of the 70s. So since then, all the precincts changed their jurisdiction and their boundaries. So it wasn't like I could go to the precinct that covered that, because it had changed. And everything was on paper. Nothing was in a computer.
1: Oh, my so, God. Think about that. Yeah. That's
3: right. Yeah. Um, so I, 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 have this guy that I knew from one police plaza. That was a, um, he, he was, he was like radar on mash. He was, uh, able to find anything he needed. He could get for you. Uh, it would take a while, but he would get it for you. So I tell him what I need. I need this homicide that occurred at the end of the seventies, early eighties. And it's a female victim with a male's tattoo. Tiny had said that it was her son's tattoo on her back. Uh, on her shoulder. So I I give this information to this guy, and he gets back to me a couple of weeks later. He, find, he actually finds the homicide. And what Tiny tells us is that this female was hanging out with him, with Tiny and the president of the bike gang and some of the other biker guys, and she wanted to be... Get involved with the cult and she was interested in that shit and all that. So they tell her. Now this is coming from Tiny, they tell her that they're gonna do a ritual blessing of her. Oh my god. It's in the winter, and they lay her down on those cement tables that the old man play checkers on. Yeah. Yeah. And they lay her down on the table. Now Tiny tells us that they had this old sword that was like from the renaissance period a heavy like sword not not very sharp rusty and heavy and he says they lay her on the table she thinks she's going to get bled like they're going to take blood from her for the ritual and what they actually do is the head of the bike gang he doesn't say he does it of course he says the head of the bike gang takes this heavy sword does like some kind of ritual blessing, and then he crashes it down on her her chest cavity. And they kill her. Oh, my God. And then they just take her and they put her somewhere in the snow. They leave her in the snow. Now, this guy, this friend of mine finds, who works for the police department, finds this report. And sure as hell, it's a female white, with a, a tattoo of a, name, a male's name on the back, just like Tiny had said, and the autopsy report said that she died from a heavy uh, blunt instrument to her chest, just like he said. wasn't so much the sharpness, it was the heaviness of the sword that killed her. The first person, or the only person, actually, that gave a statement regarding this homicide was, not coincidental, the president of the bike gang. And what he tells the police is he knows the girl from the neighborhood. He had seen her early that morning, and that's all he knew. But according to Tiny, that's the guy who actually did the killing of this girl. That's so that's another homicide that was verified through Tiny. Jesus. Wow. Now, do they,
1: do they have a division of the NYPD that deals with the cult, cult, satanic cults, anything like that?
3: No, there used to be a guy that was. Uh, he knew a lot about that kind of stuff, but um, it was only one guy, and it wasn't like a task force. And we reached out to him on some of this stuff, but you know, it, every organiz- every cult is different. It's different than Santeria. It's different than uh, than Voodoo. Or, you know, this is uh, this was actually. Uh, the process church is actually a satanic, you know, considered a satanic cult. It's unbelievable. How do you think Teenie
0: find, found all that stuff out?
1: Because he was like there when it happened.
0: He was like, and what it took him so long to say, just after a while, because, he like to, to it. Out of jail. Oh,
1: yeah, snitches get stitches unless you're looking at 30 years in jail and then you're like, how can I get out at a reasonable time so I can figure out a way to live some life, right? I mean that that becomes it completely. Now, if this was all going on today, it would be all over TikTok. Do you think that <laughs> do, you, do you think like I mean, that's a blessing, right? That it's like there's so much more information out there for law enforcement to be able to lock people down. Um man, that stuff's crazy. Why do you
3: think how do you think how do you figure would be on TikTok?
1: Well, I mean, what what happens is like everybody now brags about all the stuff they're doing. I, like you see people bragging about the crimes they're committing on TikTok. You see people filming stuff going on. I mean,
0: rappers rap about it. Would they it.
1: put a murder on? No, I'm not. I was trying to make a whole poor joke. But, you know, the point is, is that it's like people talk about all this stuff. Way more, and there's way more. Like I feel like there's way more cameras everywhere. Oh uh, yeah, um, there's way sure. more iPhones everywhere. People like are filming stuff left and right that do, in fact, help police officers piece stuff together. Way more than back in the day. It's, yeah, yeah, it's interesting.
2: I, I'm curious now. Police now are they are they lacking the detectives anywhere? Are they lacking in the the interrogation skills you know the interviewing skills that that mm. the guys of your generation uh had i i wonder if that's kind of a lost art what are you finding with that because i what what impressed me about what you were saying especially that guy you went into prison and got him to confess to <laughs> to what three murders you know uh, while while he was about to get out the, you know it kind of impresses me that you know you had some talent with that is that is that something that is uh kind well. of a lost art
3: uh, like we started talking, when we first started talking earlier in the show, um, cops are leaving in droves in New York because they're uh, not respected. They're, they're, the laws aren't protecting us or protecting them anymore. Um, so they just lost, the NYPD detectives just lost 2,000 detectives. Within Unbelievable, the last year man. So I think they're down to like 5,000 detectives. That's not That's not uniform. That's detectives that... Now, these and, and they're taking them off for the detect. they're taking them off cases now to work patrol every once, like once a week or twice a week. So, um, all the senior guys that are eligible to leave are leaving, and now there's nobody to teach these younger guys. I don't, I don't want to say nobody, but there's very few people to teach these younger guys. And, um, so yeah, it's, I mean, I don't want to say it's a lost art, but it's, it's, it's in danger. Let's say that. Oh my. So, I mean, is there any
1: other, I want to get into this case that you, uh, you broke in 99 uh, when you ran to a friend who had uh, knowledge of a friend's daughter's disappearing. Do you remember that case?
3: Yeah, that was, uh, Andre, uh, the guy's name, the, the perp's name was Andre Rand. Uh, and he was a serial killer. And and believe it or not, some people believe. Although I'm not convinced, um, some people believe that he was actually part of this uh, satan- the same cult, the uh, Process Church cult. Did you ever go talk
1: to anybody at the Process Church cult? Like, hey, dude, what are you guys up to right now? Let me see. Let me see the books.
3: <laughs> no, I, I tried. To, you know, like I said, I tried to talk to uh, the main guy, uh, Robert the Grimson, and he uh, he just didn't want to talk to me. And by the time we were ready to talk to and I talked to, we tried several other people to talk to, and either they lawyered up right off the bat. Uh, there was one individual that was heavily involved with Berkowitz, supposedly, who owned the car, his family owned the car dealership for many, many years. Um, I believe it was in Long Island, the car dealership or maybe Queens, but for some reason I get I don't remember exactly where this car dealership was. And I actually um, confused it, but what he did was his family owned this car dealership for many years, and I sent my, one of my detectives went to speak to him regarding this, uh, and right after my detective left, he law, he lawyered up, and then when my detectives went back there again, he the the business was closed. I, I totally out of it shut it. Oh, a, oh my god! Uh, yeah. Yeah, and I don't remember if it was closed or they sold it, but whoever they spoke to, they said, oh, no, no, they sold the." And they even said, right after you guys left, he he tried selling the business, and he eventually put the business up for sale. Literally, like, within such a short period of time, he got so spooked, he closed the business and shut it down.
1: So this guy, uh, Andre Rand, right, uh, was had been connected to a bunch of uh, missing children cases. Is that true?
3: Yeah, absolutely. He he was uh like I said he was a uh, he was a suspect for uh, I don't know, 5, 6 kids missing and 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 most of the kids had some kind of mental this dis- disease either uh a down syndrome or uh you know, mental deficient and he was wanted or not wanted. They knew where he was, they knew who he was, but they couldn't prove it. And um it's, it's 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 just a strange case he was actually in uh by the time i got involved with the case he was actually in the in the in a, he was arrested already for one particular case uh a kidnapping of one of these young girls although her body her remains were found but they couldn't they couldn't um connect the homicide to him so they just were able to lock him up for the kidnapping but so he was in by the time i got involved with it i'll tell you how i got involved so I had this, uh, a a friend of mine, a a woman I knew, um, from before I I became a cop, and and we lost contact for quite a few years, and then one day I just happened to run into her. And um, she finds out I'm a cop, and she asks me if I ever heard any information on a kid named Holly Ann Hughes, because she, my friend, was friends with Holly Ann Hughes' mother. Now, my friend... Uh, led a kind of a wild life uh, down on Forty Second Street, what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. That's a kind of, yeah, right. She led a really wild life, and sort of, and Holly and Jesus' mother was kind of like had a troubled life also. Oh my god! And when she gave me the information that it was a uh, the kid was missing and they never found her, I was. In, mist, in the Misty person squad, special investigations, and I went and I pulled the case. You know, I went looking for the case and I found it. And um, the story was the little girl. She was the girl. The little girl named Holly Ann Hughes was seven years old. She went to a corner store in uh, Staten Island, New York, and um, it was a uh, you know it wasn't the greatest neighborhood in Staten Island. And she went into the bodega to buy soap. She didn't have enough money. People in the area saw Andre Van driving around, but they never connected. None of the witnesses had connected. They assumed that he was involved, the police, the people, but nobody ever put him in the vehicle with Holly and you, Holly and you's. Nobody said that they, they were together. They just saw him in the area around the same time. When I looked at the case, there was one individual, I mean, I interviewed a lot of people. Me and my, my I was a sergeant at the time. So I, I had me and one of my detectives. We interviewed several people, but one guy in particular, I, I just didn't believe, didn't see Holly and use with the, with this guy, Andre man. And, um, he, he, he basically didn't want to be known as a rat. Now this is going, this happened in 1981. Again, this is like the end of the nineties, 97, 98, 99, maybe. And, he didn't want to be known as a rat, this guy, John Burns. And um, I took him to the station house. I sat him down and um, I really kind of gave it to him, you know, played hardball with him. Like who, why would you, how do you consider yourself a rat with a guy that number one, he's in jail for kidnapping a little girl. He's a suspect for doing several homicides on children. Um, and the bottom line was Andre Van had enough, was going to get out of jail eventually, not right then, but he would be getting out of jail. And I kind of yelled at this guy Burns, and we went back and forth. And I'm like, "How do you consider this? that's not ratting? You know, that's there's no cold, there's no murder, there's none of that shit. This guy is a, a yeah. child predator. How are you protect? Why are you protecting this guy? And finally, he gave it up that he did see Andre ran, he did see Holly and Hughes get getting his car, and he did see them drive off together. Oh my. And with that information, we were enough to. Now, Andre Rand, he lived. I don't know. Are you from Sam? Are you familiar with Willowbrook at
1: all? You remember Willowbrook? I've heard it. I was from upstate more, but I've heard of w- Willowbrook. Yes.
3: Do you remember the the expose Geraldo Rivera did on Willowbrook? No,
1: uh, was that the mental facility one? I, yes. Right. Yes, that kind of changed the way people looked at mental no, what, what facilities what and so basically for the longest time they had mental facilities mm. a lot of, you know and reagan came and shut those all down and a lot of people are talking so they were about like
0: man like ran poorly like right. like
1: on yeah. you know inhuman basically and you see that in history where it's like people with mental disorders were basically discarded and uh you know uh Rivera went in there and just put a camera on it, and people were shocked. And this kind of helped lead to uh, Reagan kind of deciding. That guy was a
2: real journalist, by the way. People kind of forget that. Geraldo Rivera used to he used to do some real
1: journalism. Yeah, used to be like a real guy. Yeah, back when you could be a real journalist. Yeah. Right now, yeah. it's all salacious bullshit. But you know, it's like that's what he went in there. And there's you know there's very famous stories of like. People who worked in mental facilities doing bad things to children with mental illness, and it just—it's really horrible, man. I mean, it's like
0: the Catholic Church did that. Yeah, remember for they sure, sent for the sure. fucking priest with the death kids. Like, yeah, what? yeah, oh, disgusting. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, I knew that, and I—I remember that story. Yes.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's on the internet. If anybody's interested, you can see. I mean, these people—they were, were malnutrition. They didn't have clothes on. They sat in their own urine and their own defecation. They were treated like animals. And and um, like I said, how how they were very exposed that. But Andre Van actually worked there first. He worked there as a maintenance guy, and now uh, and then he eventually gets a job as a physical therapist. Now Andre Van isn't he's a little mental deficient himself, by all accounts. Um, and at the time he was actually, so Willowbrook is this big facility. It's on like 300 acres in San Island. And then how Rivera did that expose and they, they didn't even close it down right away. I think they kind of like cleaned it up a little bit, but they left it open for like another five or six years before they eventually closed it down. But he actually, like I said, he worked there as a maintenance guy. In fact, he's implicated in the disappearance of a nurse that actually worked there. They, they, they said he was a suspect in this this nurse that he knew, and he was the last one seen with her. Um, but anyway, he actually lived on the grounds. Uh, and on the grounds, there were all the homeless people. And, um, well, that's where they found the one girl that he was arrested for. Uh, um, Jennifer Schwager, I think is her name. I believe is her name. And they found her remains there. But on the grounds also is all the satanic stuff that they had found. And that's why they think that he didn't act alone because he wasn't bright enough to do these things on his own. And they think that, the again, they, they suspect, some people suspect that the same cult is involved with uh, those homicides or those missing kids.
1: Wow. The process, Church of the Final Judgment.
0: Jeez. Just the name. Just the name. Yeah.
1: It's... So I'm a, I want to ask you two more questions. First of all, who was the worst of the worst you ever met when you were doing this? Like, where you like, was there a g- person who was like, this is the most evil I've ever seen in my life?
3: Does anybody uh, stand out at all? Yeah, I think, I think actually Tiny was the worst, you know? Especially knowing what he did to his daughter. And it, it was so, because at some point I brought it up. I don't remember at what point, because, you know, you can't go in there getting the guy pissed off at you because then he may not give you any information. So at some point when I have, I built up this relationship with him, um, he, you know, I and I brought up the case and I had pictures of every and everything of him and his daughter, not, you know, cause they found pictures in his house. I think they were in the case folder and he was just so, not, so nonchalant about having sex with his infant daughter. Uh, and what forget about said. the homicides. Oh. Forget about the the killings that he may have, may or may not have been involved with. And you know, when he was caught, he was caught with all these weapons. And forget about all that shit. Just the the fact that he was so casual about having uh, sex with an infant is is.
1: But did he have any regrets when you saw him? No,
3: no, no. That's no exactly. Oh he had no God. regrets. He was very casual, nonchalant about it. Like it's fine. You know, like I mean, when you look at, when you think of evil, bro, you can actually Google this guy. Uh, uh, if you, his name is, I um, uh, think, Wolf John Wolfhawk, like Wolf Hawk, one word, and and his, his I think his arrest picture pops up. Uh, and even if you look at his his arrest photo, so after he, you know he eventually gets out. By the way, he gets out of jail, and he becomes this. Uh, Native American and apparently he marries some other woman and they have a kid together and then the state of Pennsylvania tries to take the kid from them because of his, because of his history, his sexual history. Uh, The woman who he married already already had kids taken away from her because she was apparently involved with another guy that had a sexual problem with kids. So she goes from one, perverted sick dude to the to this to this other guy who's uh had sex with kids and they eventually take the kid away from even his kid, uh Wolfhawk or Lentini's kid, they take away from him. But if you ever think of like an evil person, like you you sit down before like you, almost like you're sitting before the devil, that's the kind of guy I was sitting before. You look at him, he just looked man, he cooked Evil, evil incarnated, man. That's it. He was just a devil, and and like I said, I've interviewed bad guys, man. I've interviewed drug guys, guys that have killed multiple people, and and you know, cold-hearted killers. But this guy was on a different different level, man. I don't know if it was because it was a satanic shit he was involved with, but um, just a different kind of dude, you know.
1: So, was there ever one case that you wish you uh that Haunts you to this day, meaning that you never were able to solve it, that just kind of got away that you would like, to this day, you kind of wish that you were able to crack that case. I'm sure you'd love to crack every case, but was there ever one that just stood out that was so bizarre and you just were never able to bring to justice the person who perpetrated it?
3: Um, No, I don't, to be honest, I don't, you know, I did most of my career in, in narcotics units uh, either as an undercover or as an investigator uh and when i was down in alphabet city we took down that's what my book basically is about the case in alphabet city where we took down 40 40 drug deals 40 big heroin deals down in, in low east side and they it actually changed i i like to think that our case changed the pace of low east side it used to be alpha called alphabet city the low east side now the the gentrified name is the East Village, and it became the East Village um, after we took this case down. But I'll tell you, along those lines, the the main guy that we really that I really wanted to get it's in my book was this particular drug dealer that he eventually he eventually cooperates and he admits to kill him personally killing eighteen people. And taking a, uh, having a taking playing a part and killing over one hundred people. So he did eighteen on his own, and he took part in killing over one hundred people. Either he gave permission or he set people up, or um, and he was the top guy, the top echelon drug uh, heroin guy. Uh, And he also admitted he had an accountant, a legitimate accountant who became a who was a heroin user. And the accountant kept his books. And he admitted to making $101,000 per day off of his heroin organization. Oh, my
1: God. A day?
3: Yeah, per day. So that's the guy I really wanted when we took this case down. Now, we were up on a couple of wiretaps. Not his. By the time we went up on the wiretaps, he had had a falling out with with the guys that we were already on. Um... So he never came on the wire. We never got him. So what happens is, eventually we have to take the case down. This guy is not going to get involved with our case anymore. It's it's apparent that he's not going to get involved with our people anymore, and we take the case down. So I was really, like you said, I was really upset that I didn't get this guy. It really kept me up. I was really. He actually put a contract on my partner and I, what? a fifty thousand dollar contract on us, and and it was a verified contract because what happened was the FBI, there was a bank robbery and the FBI was involved. And while they were doing this investigation on the bank robbery, they had a confidential informant and the confidential informant came back and he said, well, I'll give you this regarding this bank robbery, but down in alphabet city, these two guys are going to get hit. There's a $50,000 contract on oh, each it. of them. Anyway, this is the guy that did put it on us. But in oh any my case, God. we take this, we take these 40 guys down And we missed this particular guy. And one day, shortly after, within weeks or or maybe a couple of months after we take it down, I'm reading the newspaper in my house in the morning before going into work. And I see that uh, this big time heroin guy in Brooklyn, again, his name was also Hernandez. And the name of his dope, because everybody stamps it dope and it just stuck in my head for 35 years. His name, the name of his dope was unknown. And it says, this guy Hernandez, he had a dope brand all over the city named Unknown. He's cooperating. So I said to myself, if this guy Hernandez is such a big shot, such a heavyweight, he has to know my guy. Cause my guy, you know, was the man. And he has to know my guy. So I go to the U.S. Attorney. Uh, I go to the agents that took down Hernandez. And I said, would you talk to Hernandez and see? Because once you cooperate, you have to cooperate against everybody. Damn. You can't say, I don't wanna talk about him. You gotta cooperate against everybody. Ah. So I said, would you do me a favor and see if your guy Hernandez knows this guy? And of course he did. And of course he had dealings with him. And he helped put the case together against my guy. And I didn't put the handcuffs on him, but he did get arrested shortly thereafter on Hernandez's testimony. And um, so I, I actually did in a not in a not so direct way. Get the guy. Get guy. Yeah, that is crazy, man. So, do you
1: think people can reform?
3: Uh, that's a great question. I get asked that question a lot, man. You know, I think if they reform, it's because they're afraid of maybe going back to jail or something to that effect. Um, so I guess my answer is yes. I think. I think they can reform, you
1: know. I think so. I think you know some things you can't come back from. You'll always be a murderer. You'll always be a child molester. But you know, obviously, child molestation is beyond. I mean, murder's awful, but child molestation is just the grossest. Of
0: pull gross, it to the head,
1: right? Uh, but if you can figure out a way to uh, just change your life, and you know. Figure out a way to contribute to the society. You're always gonna carry that burden with you again. We get into the darkness, you're always gonna have the darkness in you. And um
0: Do you think there's serial killers out there? Do I and, think there's serial no, killers? I'm, asking that I'm at uh, in, in this moment as as a as a former cop, would you be like, There's still people out there committing crazy crimes like Teeny and all that?
3: Absolutely, man. I mean, look at the Giglio—the Giglio Beach murders. They never solved it. The, the uh, all those call cool girls that were called out to the beach on Long Island, way on Suffolk County, I think it is. Um, yeah, there's yeah, there's people killing. There's so many killings that go on, on. There's so many people that have no families that when they go missing, nobody even knows where they are, or, yeah. or, or you know, and 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 then they become victims. You know, I mean, I know Sam, you're, you you. You know a lot about this. Uh, I hate to use the word conspiracy, but I mean, I know you know a lot about these these kids that are victims and these yeah. the elites that are doing. I mean, bro, that stuff is real. A lot of people don't think it's real, and I don't believe it. I don't believe it to the letter. But when you see a woman like Megan Fox talking about drinking blood and her boyfriend drinking blood, and uh, and you know, where do you think they getting these these victims from? You know, that people that nobody even notices are missing. So, yeah, I think there's still a lot of... I think there's serial killers out there. I think there's uh, organizations that do killings. So, yeah.
1: It's a dark subject, man. And I think people don't want to take a look at it because they don't want to think that, that there's real monsters out there. And the worst part is, like, do you love a real monster? Is your celebrity a part of it? I mean, to get to the highest levels of almost anything, what is the game you have to play? I mean, even if you look at the sub world, I mean, what these guys have to do to kill, you know, to kill people, kidnap people, all that stuff. And that's just in a crime organization. What about an an organization that is like Hollywood, that's like billions of dollars or, or Washington, DC, see billions of dollars. You think they're just letting anybody in or do they want to control every moment of everything? And they know exactly what you're going to do because you're going to do exactly what they tell you to do. Because if you don't, they got enough shit on you that will make your life miserable for the rest of your life. You would either go to jail and never get out or someone will put a bullet in your head. So you got to play ball. And also there's a ton of psychopaths out there. That just have been hurt in their life. And they want to bring pain to others, and they'll do it gladly if it comes with a paycheck as well. Mm-hmm. And that's crazy. I didn't know all this about Berkowitz. I can't believe he's still alive, dude. That's crazy.
3: That's- yeah, yeah. And- you know, I'll tell you something else. I know somebody. I don't know them directly, but one of the detectives that used to work for me not in, not in these cases at all, but um, we still keep in contact. He's actually friends with a guy that did time with Berkowitz and um, this retired detective knows that I worked the case a little bit. And so he asked his friend if he had any, you know, if he ever dealt with Berkowitz, he said, Oh yeah, we used to speak all the time. And he asked him what did he think about Berkowitz acting alone or acting, you know, in concert with others. And he said, Berkowitz told him that Berkowitz, you know, Berkowitz speaking, Said that he did not act alone. He acted with others. So, and he would have no reason to lie to this other inmate. So, um, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious to me. It's, I don't know if the whole satanic stuff is 100% on the money, but I think it's pretty obvious to me that Berkowitz did not act alone in these killings. And he, and he, but
1: he did participate, and, he, and they just made him the fall guy.
3: Right. And, and according to him, he didn't do the more, he didn't do. Not only didn't he do them all, he wasn't even present at all of them, but he even told the guy which ones he was at and which ones he wasn't at. So...
1: That means the killer's still out there, man. The killers. Killers, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Well, man, I appreciate you, Mike, coming on. This has been a great episode. It lived up to uh, my excitement, so thank you for doing that. Anytime you got anything else you want, come on uh, come on and talk about the doors wide open for you. Mike, you tell them one more time where they can find you in any other, your book and your uh, YouTube channel. Cool. Thank you,
3: man. So my YouTube channel is called Mike Cadella Up Against the Wall. Uh, my book is Alpha Build 1988. Welcome to Heroin City. And um, that's it, man. Oh, and I got a jiu-jitsu academy. Anybody that wants to train Brazilian jiu-jitsu, I'm a Henzo Gracie, fourth degree black belt. I have an academy here in St. Allen. Anybody's in St. Allen wants to train some jiu-jitsu, come visit me, man.
1: You know who I tour with is Eddie Bravo, Jiu-Jitsu Jesus. Yeah, dude, we love him.
3: Yeah, if we ever uh, come out
1: your way, we'd love to meet you, man, or come out to a show and we'll all hang out and uh, catch up, man. I appreciate you coming on. It was a wonderful episode. And, Mike, we look forward to uh, talking to you again, and hopefully when I'm in the New York area, I can meet up with you, man. I'd love to meet with you. Uh, me too. thank you guys I love you very much I hope you appreciate this episode I like to mix it up you know uh, get into some of these unsolved mysteries uh, even though they, we think it's uh, solved again if you want to see me live I'm going to be uh, in Diana Beach uh, in the end of August and then I'm going to be in Dallas uh, in the second week of uh, September And th- so go to SamTriple.com for all of my tickets and I will talk to you soon take care everybody thanks for tuning in Go deep, homeboy. Aaron, open your mind. Drink from the fountain of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. That's some interdimensional shit. Wake up, Aaron.
2: This is only the beginning.
1: There's, you just blew my mind. Tim Foil hat.